it doesn't take an academic leap to realize that this is not just a regional issue. This is something that transcends uh, provincial boundaries. What will it take to stop the gang strikes that are spreading beyond the Lower Mainland? Plus, Barbara Howard is one of my heroes. Students spearhead a campaign to rename their school after a groundbreaking sprinter. And we want to highlight uh, local BIPOC artists and share their stories. How Murals in the Market aims to revitalize a Vancouver community. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Residents of a Coquitlam neighborhood are shaken and frightened as many of them were witnesses to the latest deadly gun violence to rock Metro Vancouver. Not much more than 24 hours ago, multiple gunshots rang out and a man was found dead on the street. Just some of the hallmarks of BC's ongoing gang conflict. Paul Johnson begins our coverage tonight. We usually take a walk down the alley to go walking and thank God we didn't go down there at this time of day. Thank God is right. Had Lenny Olufsen gone for her usual late afternoon stroll, she easily could have walked into this, the Lower Mainland's latest targeted killing. The police are already in the alleyway with their lights flashing. Tarp was over the body and the yellow tape was up. Uh, I was on my balcony repotting plants and I heard about six shots. I was watching the hockey game. I heard probably, I thought it was about three or four shots. A handful of people in the neighborhood asked to be quoted without their faces revealed. Others who spoke to us off camera said they're worried about IHIT's closure rate in the latest round of killings. Well, the pattern seems to be spectacular daylight executions followed by the killers getting away. Just like the one here in Millardville Saturday. I kind of know what it's like. For Lenny Olufsen, Saturday's murder is a trigger for memories of another trauma, witnessing 2017's Las Vegas shooting massacre. Now the carnage from gun violence has come to her. Hasn't hit home yet. <laughs> In Coquitlam, Paul Johnson, Global News. And the Coquitlam shooting happening just an hour after another targeted killing, this time in Calgary. Police in that city are now in contact with authorities here in B.C. to find out if the incident is connected to our escalating gang conflict, which has also expanded to Vancouver Island. Amadagahi has that part of the story. After Thursday's fatal shooting near a Nanaimo Wendy's restaurant and Saturday's daytime homicide in Calgary, one of the first questions local investigators were tasked with answering was if there's a connection in each case to gang violence in Metro Vancouver. The answer both times now appears to be yes. All I can hear is the cop sirens and choppers coming and yeah, it was really crazy. Responding to gunshots, Saturday police in Calgary found a body inside a car parked in a back alley. I overheard from the back alley somebody yelling like he's dead and someone said like, what the bleep do you mean he's dead? Sources tell Global News the victim is Gurkirt Kalkat, a man with ties to British Columbia, whose brother, Jaskirt Kalkat, was also killed outside a Burnaby Cactus Club earlier this month. Every little brother looks up to his big brother and they want to be like them, right, in most cases. So you're within that family peer group, you're going to do what they do. You're going to want to be what they are. 
What happened in Nanaimo and Calgary is a reminder. Experts say that Metro Vancouver gangsters have connections well outside our local boundaries. It, it's very international, the gangs from Vancouver. They seem like little street kids. They're not very old and stuff. But these guys are traveling all over the world. It was inevitable and imminent to some degree that we were going to see some level of um, overarching nexus and interconnection uh, to some of the other homicides that are happening in Canada. Three suspects with ties to the Lower Mainland were taken into custody after the Nanaimo shooting and have since been released. The RCMP, they're asking the public to come forward if they remember seeing occupants of a pearl white 2003 Cadillac Escalade similar to this sometime. In the past week, Amadagahi, Global News. Vancouver police shut down a party in the downtown core this weekend. Just after 1 a.m., officers responded to a call of a large house party inside a suite of a building at 1200 West Georgia. It's not known how many people were attending the gathering, but the VPD says 16 tickets were issued to the host and partygoers. And the RCMP have turned back more than 100 vehicles at highway checkpoints since Friday. As of Saturday night, more than 3,700 vehicles have passed through road checks at four key highways that connect the Lower Mainland to the rest of the province. 103 of them were turned around. Two drivers were fined $230 each for allegedly failing to stop for police. Travel restrictions aimed at halting the spread of COVID-19 are set to expire at midnight on Tuesday. The National Advisory Committee on Immunization recommends Canadians should get the same COVID-19 vaccine for their second dose. For more on this, Keith Baldry is joining us now from Victoria. So, Keith, are health officials waiting for the results of more studies on this issue of mixing and matching doses? Yeah, they want to see more science. That need to, the, again, the issue, of course, second dose is not a big deal for many people right now because most people aren't going to get their second dose until June, July, perhaps even August. It's 13-week interval. About 142,000 people have received second doses versus 2.7 million people with one dose. But here's the issue for B.C. So about 70% of British Columbians get Pfizer. That comes in regularly, 275,000 doses a week. So we get a lot of Pfizer coming in. About 19% have received Moderna, but we don't get a lot of Moderna. It doesn't, there's no real timeline on its arrival. We get about 130,000 every two weeks, and about 10% have got AstraZeneca, and there's no guarantee any more AstraZeneca is coming in anytime soon. So the issue of second doses is very interesting for people who did not get Pfizer because we not, might not have the other available vaccines in a timely basis. We caught up with Dr. Sally Otto, a UBC biologist, who's also a public health advisor, for her take on NASI's ruling. They're probably going on, building on what we know about um, kind of using similar types of methods of delivery and how important it is to um, keep to same delivery mechanisms. They're basing the recommendation to stick to the same type of vaccine based on their expert um, opinion in the absence of a study. Now, I use the word really improperly just a few seconds ago. NASI simply advises provinces and Health Canada on what the rules should be. It's up to the provinces and Health Canada to determine what the ultimate uh, ruling is going to be when it comes to mixing vaccines. And keep in mind, Nidu, we're going to have more studies between now and June and July when many, many people will get their second dose. So NASI's recommendation could really change in the next few weeks. Nevertheless, Keith, it's very encouraging that more than half of the eligible adults in this country are ready yeah. for that second shot. All right, Keith Baldry for us in Victoria. Thanks, Keith.
Well, the Stop Anti-Asian Hate Crimes Advocacy Group took their message to Richmond today. Members gathered at Brighouse SkyTrain Station encouraging people to sign a petition to stop the hate after two recent alleged hate crimes in that community. On May 1st, a man was accused of hurling anti-Asian slurs at a family in an SUV at a fast food drive through Police have since identified the suspect. RCMP are also recommending a mischief charge after a coffee shop confrontation in late March. The manager says she approached a couple after they moved a table and chair and the woman allegedly threw coffee on the ground and the empty cup at the manager. She's also accused of using a racist slur. We stand together with uh, all the different groups in the community to fight against hate and racism. Please speak up. Stand up against Asian hate. Stand up against discrimination. Yes. Dozens of people turning out in downtown Vancouver this afternoon for a defund the police rally. They're there just to mess me up. Between 50 and 100 physically distanced people listening to speeches at the Vancouver Art Gallery. Speakers pointing out that police are not trained to deal with many of the social problems they encounter every day. So they argue some funding should be shifted away from policing and into social services. Defunding the police because they're getting way too much militarized uh, equipment, etc., etc. Uh, defund them to refund organizations for mental health, for community-based work, uh, so that uh, they are not able to be responsible all the time for stuff that they really are not trained for. A group of BC elementary students is campaigning to rename their school after a Vancouver high school student who became the first black female athlete to represent Canada. Barbara Howard's promising track career was cut short and her story remained untold for decades. As Kristen Robinson reports, the sprinter went on to become a trailblazer in education before her athletic accomplishments were finally recognized. Outside Lord Strathcona Elementary, a faded capsule of history is the only sign that one of the fastest women in the world once walked these halls. And three grade seven students believe that needs to change. Barbara Howard could definitely teach students about the past and help us to see the future. The trio says it's time to lose the colonial title and rename their school after the sprinter who broke barriers on and off the track. Barbara Howard was such an inspirational woman to so many people, uh, whereas Lord Strathcona, he's not an inspiration to most. Barbara Howard's had such an impact on this community and nobody really knows who, this, who that is, which is something that I want to change. In 1938, at age 17, Howard qualified for the British Empire Games in Australia after she ran a 100-yard sprint in 11.2 seconds one-tenth of a second faster than the game's record. She deserved recognition. As the first black female athlete to represent Canada in international competition, Howard helped win silver and bronze in relays, but came sixth in the 100-yard dash. The Second World War ended her Olympic dreams, and her feet would be forgotten for decades. I'm blown away that they took this on, and it's getting recognition, um, and I, I hope it's successful. Howard went on to graduate from UBC and became the first visual minority teacher hired by the Vancouver School Board. Her long career in the classroom included teaching phys ed at Lord Strathcona.
before Jason Beck met Howard when she was in her 90s and helped unearth her triumph on the track. Uh, she passed away when she was 96. Howard was inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame in 2012. Three years later, she was named to Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. Every new award, she was just bubbling and phoning all her friends and jumping up and down. The school district says it has not yet received a formal proposal to rename the school, but is open to reviewing historical names. Barbara Howard is one of my heroes because uh, she pursued her dreams and pursued her goals. This had to do with elementary students, a school that she taught at. She would have just loved that. It would have been her best achievement. Kristen Robinson, Global News. RCMP are investigating a stabbing this morning at a strip mall in South Surrey. A male was stabbed in the 6400 block of 152nd Street at about 10 a.m. following a fight between himself and another male. Police say the pair did know each other. One male was taken to hospital with an arm injury. The RCMP do not believe this is connected to gang activity. A Surrey family is issuing a desperate plea after their loved one went missing more than a week ago. Bernard Grempel was captured on surveillance at 8.45 p.m. on Friday, May 14th at the 7-Eleven on 100 Avenue and 152nd Street in Surrey when he last used his debit card to buy a snack. The 28-year-old has not been seen or heard from since and his family says he's in need of medication for mental health conditions. Grempel was last seen wearing a black hooded jacket, red sweat pants and black Nike shoes. He has not taken his medication in nine days, uh, which is <clears throat> really concerning um, and it really makes me worry. To disappear and to not check in with anyone is very strange. We all want him back and we miss him. We really, we really miss him. Today marks 107 years since the Komagata Maru tragedy when 376 passengers aboard a Japanese steamship arrived on BC shores but were denied entry. This also marks the city of Vancouver's first Komagata Maru Day of Remembrance aimed at recognizing its role in the country's racist and restrictive laws. It's something descendants of passengers have long been calling for. The British subjects, many Sikh, Hindu and Muslim, were forced to stay on board for two months in un safe and unsanitary conditions before they were forced to return to India, where most were killed or imprisoned as political disruptors. On Tuesday, the city issued a formal apology for the incident and has launched a video telling the story of the Komagata Maru through the eyes of passengers' families. City Hall will also be illuminated orange to mark the Day of Remembrance. Vancouver's Mount Pleasant neighborhood is known for its distinctive murals. Now another neighboring community is also hoping to invite artists to paint their town while rejuvenating a market that's a touchstone for some in the South Asian community. Grace Key reports. There's no denying the Vancouver Punjabi market on Main Street has lost some of its luster from its glory days. But a new generation is trying to preserve its legacy. I think what we're trying to do is build a new, new place, like, you know, uh, make sure that it's relevant to, to today's society. I don't think that what the Punjabi market was before is going to serve this culture, you know. Uh, we, we, we just want it to be a place where in the city of Vancouver you know that there are South Asians who paved the way. Punjabi market reaches 
Generation Collective is aiming to create outdoor murals by the summer, similar to what appears in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood. In collaboration with the Vancouver Mural Festival, the goal is not only to beautify the area, but also support local businesses. Murals are a great way to bring um, like financial support back to the businesses. A lot of foot traffic comes with it. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to be taking TikTok videos and Instagram photos. And that's sort of um, a way for us to not only bring attention back to this neighborhood, um, but to share, you know, like we want to highlight uh, local BIPOC artists and share their stories of diversity. Um, so we want to we want to act as um, a platform for artists here. They are hoping to raise $10,000 for a series of murals. This is just one part of a long-range plan for the market that now has the backing of City Hall. I feel like people think Punjabi market is somewhat of a lost cause. Uh, they're comparing it to how it was, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and they're like, you're never going to get back there. Um, so, like, our goal is just to preserve the legacy here and see, you know, bring, bring young entrepreneurs back to the market, um, bring arts and culture back to the market. There are currently six pieces of public art in the Sunset neighborhood. This project hopes to double that in the coming months. Grace Key, Global News. A pioneering Vancouver landscape architect and an icon of the Jewish community has passed away just days after being awarded a prestigious honor from the city. Last Tuesday, City Council approved honoring Cornelia Hahn Oberlander with the Freedom of the City Award. But on Saturday, she passed away at the age of 99. After escaping Nazi persecution in Germany when she was just 18, Oberlander immigrated to the U.S. via England. She then graduated among the first class of women from Harvard. Harvard University with a degree in landscape architecture. After moving to Vancouver, she founded her own landscape architecture firm where she promoted her vision of green cities. Her contributions to public spaces include Robson Square, the Vancouver Public Library Central Branch Rooftop Garden, and those iconic Vancouver beach logs. And of course, our thoughts with her family as well. The BC Conservation Officer Service is reminding backcountry users to be prepared for emergencies as the weather heats up. Officers on patrol near Harrison Lake last night spotted billowing smoke. The team came across a burning vehicle on Harrison West Forest Service Road east of Mission. Fortunately, its occupants did manage to escape the fire and no one was injured. Other motorists managed to douse the flames as they spread to nearby vegetation. Still no word on what sparked the fire. And the BC Conservation Officer Service is pleading with the public to manage wildlife attractants like garbage after a black bear had to be put down in Kelowna. Some bears have wandered into populated areas of the Okanagan this spring. An adult male bear was put down last Wednesday near a school on Dell Road in the city's Rutland area. According to conservation officers, the bear had become highly habituated, which created a threat to public safety. Conservation officials say so far this month, they've received 60 reports of bears accessing unsecured garbage in the city of Kelowna alone. A large and growing church gathering in Kelowna is drawing criticism again today after an estimated 400 people showed up. The crowd attending the Harvest Ministry service held every Sunday at Cary Park. Current rules rather require any outdoor religious service to be physically distant and with fewer than 50 people. 
The church is no stranger to controversy, already facing more than $10,000 in COVID-related fines for breaking health orders. A spokesperson for the church says they intend to fight them in court next month, arguing the gatherings are protests and therefore they should be allowed. Very selfish for that many people not to realize the situation they're causing other people. I think this is awesome. It's time that people in Canada wake up and get involved and save our country. We're all supposed to do our part and I'm not necessarily feel that they are, but at the same time, it's their own opinion too. It's they, they get choices to do what they want to do and yeah, this is not, this is not something I'm going to do. Health officials around the world are trying to strike the balance between prioritizing first or second doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. The increasing spread of the B1617.2 variant first discovered in India could affect how those decisions are made. Redmond Shannon has more on the results of a UK study that could answer those concerns. England is hoping to lift all COVID-19 restrictions next month, but as the great reopening approaches, the likely more transmissible variant first found in India is expected to become the country's dominant strain. England's vaccine rollout has been sped up in parts of the country where cases of the variant have spiked. The hope is that the vaccines will stop its spread. Preliminary findings in a new report by Public Health England say that hope is mostly well-founded. When comparing the India variant with the so-called UK variant, both the Pfizer-BioNTech and AstraZeneca vaccines were nearly as effective at reducing symptomatic cases for people who were given two doses. But for those with one dose, effectiveness dropped significantly to 33%. We all know that the way out of this pandemic is the vaccine. And this data show that that is not changed. That is the right strategy but it makes it even more important for everybody to get the second jab. The low first dose figures and a lack of data on disease severity and deaths has some experts concerned. At the moment, the number of people in hospital and ICU is really very low. Um, although we have seen a slight uptick in some of these areas with high levels of infection from this variant. Sadly, within the next 10 days, two weeks, we'll be much clearer about that. But a first or second dose strategy isn't a luxury most countries have. Out of every 1,000 people in the world, about 150 of them globally have had a first dose of a vaccine. In sub-Saharan Africa, out of 1,000 people, eight of them have had a first dose of a vaccine. Experts add the longer some countries remain unvaccinated, the more likely it is a variant will appear that may be much more resistant to any vaccine. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. The Vancouver Thunderbird Chorus has used Zoom to try and reconnect and rehearse together, but there are issues with delays and timing. So with a little technical know-how, they found a way around it and managed to start rehearsals once again. Jay Durant explains. Practice used to be so easy for the Vancouver Thunderbird Chorus. For 71 years, it was show up and sing. Things are a little trickier these days. Thank you, sir. La, 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 la. This is pandemic practicing, safely separated in their own vehicles, wired through a central mixing board into the FM radio. They've turned the barbershop quartet into what they call the Carbershop Chorus. And on Sundays, the group grows substantially. Dozens of cars lined up in an open parking lot. 
It's something we really missed. You don't know how much you miss it until you get back to it. And then all of a sudden, whoa. This setup allows them to harmonize in real time with no lag, keeping them sharp for the day when they can perform together again. The chorus regularly sings to children in hospitals and senior care centers to help keep spirits high. A lot of the songs that we sing are, uh, you know, the ones that our seniors will uh, uh, know and, and, and be from their era, so they kind of sing along with us sometimes. It wasn't easy, but as they say in the music business, they've got the band back together, and it's been a long time coming. Just being able to sing together, to hear each other sing, was the most, after that long without doing it, a very emotional time for us. Jay Durant, Global News. So this is about him and all the other racist, sexist boys in this world. A group of teenagers sign a record deal after playing punk rock in a public library. We'll have that inspiring story just ahead. But first, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for a look at the forecast. And Yvonne, I have to say, it is refreshing out there today. We could certainly use a little precipitation. Yeah, Neithi, it's nice and fresh out there. We are going to see uh, some water for the gardens, those who have been out there over the past few days. And it is going to be unsettled in the long range. And I'll show you why and how long it will last in just a moment. Here's the ominous-looking clouds as we overlook English Bay. Temperatures have been cool today. We bumped up to 16. We're currently sitting at 14 degrees. A quick at the satellite and radar. So we've had a few isolated showers passing. We can see it in towards the eastern areas, stretching in towards the Fraser Valley, and it's similar across the island. So we'll hang on to that chance of showers overnight and leading through the day on our Monday. So a heads up. It is going to be a touch cooler overnight tonight. We're down to 11 degrees. And for the afternoon tomorrow, just getting up to 14. So it's cloud cover and on and off showers for all areas across the south coast. It's all courtesy of this weather maker that's just offshore. It's starting to push its way in. We will see that instability also for the southern interior and in towards the southeastern corners of the province. A snapshot when we take a look at the future cast. So tomorrow morning, chance of showers. It'll continue through the day. Most areas for the Thompson Okanagan, it's cloud cover, and then most of the showers pop in late in the day and the southeastern corners of the province, especially for the Columbian Kootenai, will also be hanging on to that instability. Long-range forecast on the upper-level chart. We'll take this into about Wednesday and Thursday, still seeing that instability. Then Friday, Saturday, we're hoping to see an improvement improvement once again, but all throughout the week, it'll be cloud cover, showers, and a bit of a break in between systems. A quick snapshot of what it looks like for the northern half of the province. A different weather picture tomorrow. Underneath a partly cloudy sky, but it is going to be cooler along the coast with highs just up to 12 degrees. The northeastern corners, especially for areas near the Peace tomorrow, 17, Fort Nelson, could get clipped by a shower. And most areas across the central interior will see dry conditions and a partly cloudy sky. Now, towards the south of it, especially the southeastern corners, Columbia and Kootenai, as we'll see that shower activity. It moves in towards the tops and Okanagan. Noggin, Whistler tomorrow, a cooler one with highs just up to 16, and the south coast. So we are going to see cloud cover, a few showers, a cooler day. So keep that in mind tomorrow as we round off our long weekend. Long-range forecast, we'll see on and off showers. There'll be some breaks in there, but keep in mind, it is going to be a touch cooler as we get in towards next week. Nithu? All right, we'll brace for that. Thanks so much, Yvonne.
Well, May is Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month in the U.S., and the L.A. Public Library booked a band to kick off their celebrations earlier this month. A young half-Asian, half-Latinx band called the Linda Lindas performed in one of its branches, including one of their newest songs, which was inspired by recent events. A little while before we went into lockdown, a boy in my class came up to me and said that his dad told him to stay away from Chinese people. After I told him that I was Chinese, he backed away from me. Eloise and I wrote the song based on that experience. Just fantastic. The punk rock takedown of closed-minded boys also calls for renewal with lyrics, we rebuild what you destroy. The Linda Lindas take their name from Linda Linda Linda, a 2005 Japanese movie about young girls starting a band for its high school cultural festival. They recently performed in two movies, but this post by the LA Public Library is garnering the whole quartet a new set of fans. And they didn't just gain traction online, the viral teen punk band has inked a deal with Epitaph Records. <laughs> Incredible. Congratulations, I looked them up real quick and they're on Netflix, even they made an appearance on a movie called Moxie, so we'll have to check it out. Incredible. So cool. What a talented trio. We'll have to keep our eyes on them and a lot of eyes today as well, Barry, on the PGA Championship. Yep, Phil Mickelson was trying to make some uh, history today, becoming the oldest player to ever win a major championship and Phil the Thrill did it and <laughs> it didn't have I guess early on it had the roller coaster that you expect from Phil but uh, he was the best he beat all the uh, top young guns on tour so we'll show you all the highlights here from Phil and Connor McDavid has finally busted out against the Jets. We'll have highlights of that game uh, coming up as well. The pandemic has had a particularly devastating impact on families with loved ones living with dementia. That includes within our own global family. After six years, Linda Steele leaves her namesake radio show on CKNW at the end of this month to focus on her father who lives with Alzheimer's. And to talk more about that, Linda is joining us now. Linda, it's great to see you. I wish it was under better circumstances. Thank you so much for being willing to open up about this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. You said when you made the announcement on the airwaves that you agonized over this. Tell us how you came to this difficult decision. Well, I mean, really it was over a series of months. Am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? My dad has had such a difficult time. There was the pandemic. Couldn't see him at all. And then there could only be one family member, and that was me. Um, and we would put our hands up on the plexiglass, and he would put his hand up, and we'd try to feel the warmth, you know. Um, and it was not ideal. And he was really declining with a lack of stimulation. And he doesn't really know how to use the phone anymore in his room. And I just thought to myself, like, come on. You know, at some point, I love my job, but I love my dad more. So... It just made sense. I can only imagine it must have been jarring because I understand your father was in long-term care for about a year before the pandemic hit. What was the contrast like between the ability he had to manage the condition and the stress associated with it pre-pandemic and the situation afterwards? 
Well, in the beginning, when we moved Dad there, and that was deeply traumatic anyway, but there had been a series of health issues where he'd been rushed to hospital in an ambulance, and his senior's home said, we don't need this anymore, so he's going into long-term care, rush, 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 find a room, dying, how is Dad going to be okay with this? But he was at the point where you would phone him and say, Dad, I'm coming to take you out for a hamburger, and don't, don't get ready right now, I'll be there in about an hour. But he would put on his coat and he would sit in his chair and he was like, I've been waiting. And I was like, Dad, I said don't, I was going to be there. So we would go out for a hamburger and you could have a conversation. And it was, you know, somewhat challenging, but he was still able to enjoy the experience. And then COVID hits. And I know that a lot of it was just the natural progression of the dementia. But a lot of it was the lack of stimulation. And it, it's to the point now where we look at photos in the room and sometimes he doesn't know who my mom is. They were married for 60 years. Wow, that is devastating. And you've talked about your father on the air for a long time, Linda, but especially since making this announcement, what have you heard from other families? If you haven't had an experience with dementia or Alzheimer's in your family, odds are, unfortunately, you will at some point. And so if you don't know and you don't have the experience, you're like, no, what's the big deal? You know, they're trying to keep people safe. And, and I get that too. But there were so many people who reached out with just gut-wrenching stories, way worse than mine, with people who were now dying. And the best you could do is stand bedside dressed in a hazmat suit. I mean, it just wasn't ideal. And this is a story that's repeated over and over again throughout BC and right across the country. And it, it, um, it robbed a lot of people of a lot of time with people they love. I'm lucky, don't feel like you're a bad person because you're not doing what I'm doing because not everybody can. All right, on that note, Linda, we wish you and your father, your whole family, the very best. It was a very brave decision that you made and we thank you so much for taking the time to open up about it. Thanks, Neetu. All right, Barry's back with a look at sports and no dull moments when it comes to the PGA Championship. Not when Phil Mickelson's in the middle of it. Uh, he's always good entertainment. Thanks, Neetu. Uh, they don't call him Phil the Thrill for nothing. Phil Mickelson kind of came out of nowhere this week to make history. Mickelson needed to calm his 50-year-old nerves today in the final round of the PGA Championship. If he could keep his one-shot advantage, Mickelson would make history becoming the oldest player to ever win a golf major. Mickelson won the Wanamaker Trophy in 2005, one of his five majors, paired with Brooks Kepka, who already has four majors, two PGAs from 2018 and 2019. Before we get to them, Canadian Corey Connors, nice birdie putt at the first, got it to two under. Corey ends up tied 17th at even par, a solid tournament again for him. Adam Hadwin finished tied 64th at plus eight. All right, Phil with a typical roller coaster start. Two bogeys and a birdie through his first four, then at five a little magic to jumpstart his way to history from the bunker in the hole for birdie the gallery explodes a big jolt of energy for Mickelson and a two-shot lead but on the next hole Kepka will answer great approach to three feet and Kepka would make that for the birdie now Phil made bogey so a two-shot swing they were tied at six under but on the par five seventh Mickelson will get it right back the birdie putt here. Kepka, meanwhile, was a disaster on the par fives today. He made a double and two bogeys on the par fives. That's where you got to make it up on this tough course. So Phil had a two-shot lead, 10th hole. Phil with the approach here. And look at that, just uh, 10 feet away. And then he would step up and 
drill that birdie and Mickelson gets it to eight under Kepka bogeyed so the lead would actually grow to five shots with about a half dozen holes to play but you knew it wouldn't be easy Phil with the short one at 14 second straight bogey drops to minus six so the leads down to three that's the way it is at the majors never a dull moment on 16 Mickelson's second shot on the par five so much adrenaline pipes a six iron 228 over the green but he got up and down for the birdie and maintains that three-shot lead with just two to go. But 17 and 18 are very tough. Phil bogeyed 17, so a two-shot lead now playing 18, drove it into the rough. But hey, Phil likes a challenge. Scorch is a nine iron from 160, and that is superb under the pressure. The gallery erupts. What a scene this was, very similar to a Tiger at the Tour Championship in Atlanta back in 2018. Just a mob scene there, thousands watching history. Phil then taps in for the two-shot win, becomes the oldest major winner ever, just a few weeks short of his 51st birthday. The old record was 48 years old by Julius Boros back in the 1968 PGA Championship. But Phil beats Father Time and all the young guns this week for his sixth career major. It's just an incredible feeling because I, I just believed that, that it was possible, but yet everything was saying it wasn't. And I, I hope that um, others find that inspiration. It might take a little extra work, a little bit harder effort to maintain uh, physically or maintain the, the skills. But gosh, is it worth it uh, in the end? And I'm uh, so appreciative to be holding this Wanamaker trophy. That was fun to watch. Connor McDavid was pretty much unstoppable all season long, and especially down the stretch where he was a scoring machine. McDavid had 36 points in his last 14 games, and he had three points or more in eight of those games. But as we know, the playoffs are a different story. Much tighter checking, higher intensity, and through two games against the Jets, McDavid had exactly zero points. The Oilers had scored just one goal, period, and they were down 2 nothing in the series against a Winnipeg team that was really struggling entering the playoffs, so go figure. You try to predict this stuff. The Jets got Nick Ehlers back in their lineup tonight, missed the first two games with injury, but it's the Oilers who get the icebreaker. It's Leon Dreisaitl showing off his hands, his first goal and point of the series. McDavid also got an assist. That's a good sign for the Oilers. They're up 1-0. Then on a two-man power play, they jam away. The puck squirts out to Dreisaitl and it's his second of the game. McDavid got an assist on that one too. Four points between them. They outshot the Jets 17-7, led 2-0. But Winnipeg gets one back on a power play of their own. Nick Ehlers back in the lineup. That's a perfect shot to beat Mike Smith. It's 2-1 but Edmonton gets it right back. Guess who leads the rush? McDavid to Dreisaitl just onside and Dreisaitl finds Zach Cassian, who's played very well tonight. 3-1 Oilers after two. It's now 4-1 in the third. All right, game four, Blues and Avalanche. St. Louis needing a win to keep their season alive. Third period, 2-1 Colorado. Abs add to the lead. Miko Rantanen will uh, go five-hole there on Bennington. 3-1 Colorado, but the Blues get one back. Their big sniper, Vladimir Tarasenko will rip the wrister there, his second of the game, to make it 3-2. But late in the third, Blues have the goalie out for the extra attacker, Nathan McKinnon, into the empty net. They'd also score another in the empty net. The Avs, the first team to advance to the second round, sweeping the Blues in four straight, 5-2 the final tonight. Bruins and Caps, Washington facing elimination, down 3-1 in the series, second period. 
David Pasternak, check out this play. Gets the Bruins the uh, lead with a brilliant net drive and finish. And it's 1-0 Boston. Caps won the first game of the series in overtime. Bruins won the next two in overtime. And Boston has kind of slowly taken over. Len later second. Patrice Bergeron uh, walks in. 3-1 the final in this one. And the Bruins eliminate the Caps in five. Hurricanes and Predators game four. Nashville giving uh, first place Carolina all they can handle in this series. And they had a big crowd in the stands, as you can see. Third period down a goal, but the Preds tie it. Nick Cousins on the power play. Nifty little deflection here. It's 3-3, and we need overtime. We need a lot of overtime. Four minutes left in the second OT, and it's Luke Cunnan who gets his second of the game, and the Predators take it 4-3. This series now tied at two apiece. NBA playoffs. LeBron's Lakers limping in as the number seven seed, taking on the Phoenix Suns, who had the second best record in the NBA, returning to the playoffs for the first time in a decade. Suns young superstar Devin Booker, quite the playoff debut. Fourth quarter, hits the long three to stretch the Phoenix lead, and then hits the tough arching shot here as Booker had a game-high 34. Suns won 99-90. LeBron held to just 18 as Phoenix takes the opener. And the New York Knicks also returning to the playoffs for the first time since 2013, taking on the Atlanta Hawks in the first round. Third quarter, Canadian R.J. Barrett on the drive with the furious left-handed dunk. That sends the Garden into a frenzy. Spike Lee all jacked up, tying, uh, dying seconds. It's tied. Atlanta's Trey Young with the floater. Hawks take game one over the Knicks, 107-105. Young with 32 points in his first ever NBA playoff game. And finish with some baseball. Blue Jays and Rays. Toronto trying to avoid the sweep. It looked good in the eighth when Randall Gritchuk wallops this two-run homer to uh, right center, 4-2 Toronto. But like they have earlier in this series, the Jays' bullpen could not hold the lead. They issued four straight walks, three of them with the bases loaded, and they hand Tampa a 6-4 win. The Rays have now won 10 straight. They're tied for first in the AL East. The Jays are struggling. They have lost five in a row. And Nithu, that's sports. All right, thanks so much, Barry. The story is adorable. A mother dog has stepped in as a surrogate for some orphans in Alberta, but it's not puppies who she's caring for. Mo helps staff by cleaning, giving kisses, and caring for the kittens at Central Alberta's Saving Grace Animal Society. Meanwhile, a mother cat who lost her litter is going to adopt the kittens so together they can co-parent the orphans. Both are alumni of Forget Me Not Rescue in Edmonton, and volunteers say it seems they're so grateful for their second leases on life, they want to give back by helping other animals in need. Just being a mom in general, um, no matter what species you are, you just have that connection to wanting to nurture and wanting to help, and that is just Mo to a T. Animals are so accepting of each other. It would be amazing if people could be even 10% more like them. I love that sentiment. Isn't that the truth? Sounds like a Disney movie just waiting to yeah. be made. Hey, there you go for any producers that might be watching right now. <laughs> All right, Yvonne, final check on the forecast for this week. A bit of a gray day for our uh, last of our long weekend. We are going to see a few isolated showers and a touch cooler, so keep that in mind as we get into next week. All right, get those sweaters and other layers out. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Sarah McDonald is here for Global News at 11, and 60 Minutes is next.